Shruti Kumar is a composer, producer, and songwriter who's worked in nearly every avenue of the music industry. From pop to classical to music for film and TV, she's worked for and collaborated with artists across the spectrum, from Vampire Weekend to the L.A. Phil. She's also the host of the popular Dub Lab show, Let's Shake On It, and is co-founder of the remote musician hiring platform, Sound Travels. On today's episode, Trudy and I discuss remote production, artistic activism, and how disparate sounds can work together. Stick around afterwards to hear the premiere of her new piece, Knocked for Six. Welcome to Chamber House. Shruti, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Dabney. So you wear a lot of hats. You're a producer, you're a composer, you're a songwriter, you're a radio host. I mean, just the list goes on and on and on and on and on. You have a unique perspective on what it's been like to collaborate with folks during this time because you've kind of done it in all the ways that you can really collaborate. <laughs> so I'm, I'm curious how it's been during all this. You know, it sounds like I wear a lot of hats, but really I think it all stems from the same sort of purpose. For me, producing and composing are not all that different, and my process is very much the same, the way that I would approach scoring a film or scoring a song, if you will. I feel like the skill sets I'm using in all of these areas are coming from the same sort of want, which is to marry different ideas in the most seamless and interesting way possible. Even in my concert compositions, I often find the most joy in mixing and matching wildly disparate sounds. So I think for me, the fun there comes from that process of arranging and orchestrating, um, even if it's synths and in the box. So honestly, when I sit down and work on any of these projects, it feels sort of like the same thing. Obviously, sometimes, you know, we'll get a project here or there where I have to do something specifically to get it done the way it's supposed to be. But generally speaking, it's all the same except for the radio stuff. But that also, in a way, is marrying different ideas because it's bringing together two musicians and mixing together different ideas from them into a track and talking about it. Right. The Let's Shake On It series that you've been doing at DubLab. Yes, exactly. So even that comes from this innate excitement in bringing together what we imagine to be sound that come from different worlds, but really they can coexist quite well. You know, the way music can bring together people and ideas that are different. I mean, it's a language like any other language and we can use it to connect across tables that maybe we didn't think we could before. But yeah, in lockdown, it was tricky. You know, a lot of us who are fortunate enough to be able to continue working kind of had to power through out of necessity, right? Especially when you consider the fact that so many members of our community were suddenly stunted and out of work, it felt extra meaningful to make sure that whatever we were creatively working on didn't just halt. Collaboration-wise, you know, especially producing records, I find in the past couple years, I was already doing a lot of remote work because I didn't like being confined by working with only players in my periphery, you know. I mean, there is so much magic being in the room with a player, but I have really learned to successfully communicate with players and artists who are not in the same city as me just because I want to work with them. It takes a lot more intimate communication, if you will, and sort of writing with them in mind. I think that has grown tenfold since lockdown, where I feel like the collaboration levels have really just become so much more fruitful in a way, because 
I just know the players I'm working with so much more um, personally and stylistically. You're one of the more socially active artists that I know. You're always educating folks, especially through social media platforms and sharing your insight and your opinions about things like social justice and racial equality and humanitarianism and all that. And I feel like you have a unique insight on outward facing art rather than inward facing art. When I was growing up, I grew up in a house with parents who were in their own way very active like that. You know, I was raised to really care about this stuff and they're both very loud about these things. And I grew up in Baltimore and now they're in DC and politics was always in my periphery and social justice, especially, you know, having had these great influences in my life that were so loud, it was quite intimidating actually for a long time to speak to this stuff for me. There came a point where I had to talk to myself about why I was making music and why I wanted to be in the arts and what that intention and purpose was for me. And it's different for everyone, but I do feel somehow that if everybody is connecting to their personal intention of creating art, which is so difficult now with the way the music industry has changed so dramatically. But I do think if everyone is checking in and asking that question, then even if it's not outwardly speaking to social justice issues, it doesn't mean it's not political. I think being honest is in its way being political because art also, if it's sharing someone's personal story and it's honest, then it is contributing to some important conversation. Art is a way that we can deliver experiences that other people aren't usually getting access to. For me, my experience did lead me to be sort of louder about this stuff, but by no means do I think that's the only way to be humanitarian, if you will, with art. First and foremost, the way we can be the most socially conscious in our art is the way we create it. Um, I think that who we hire, who we collaborate with, are we making an effort to keep expanding our creative circles? Are we learning about other types of musicians from all walks of life? You know, are we connecting with others? I think the hiring one is a big part of things that we can be conscious of, what kinds of players we're hiring, what engineers we're hiring. Um, are we making sure that not everybody looks the same, the same way people talk about TV writing rooms and stuff like that. I, I really firmly believe that if we are in a position to hire, we should be conscious of who we're hiring because the music industry needs a lot of work there. And I'm sure everybody listening to this is very aware of that. The more we're kind of getting out of our bubbles to collaborate and create and work with those people, um, the music is just really way more interesting. So I think blending ideas and blending different sensibilities is in itself sort of a humanitarian, socially active effort because you're showing that disparate lives and experiences can coexist in a piece of art. I've been doing a lot of musician advocacy, especially coming from London at the beginning of lockdown and back to the States where it's just so clear that the infrastructure for arts and culture here is just almost zero. And the perception of artists here is different and there's not a lot of government funding, obviously, and all this stuff. So um, I do think the best way to be active in your art is to be expansive in it across all types of people. So your piece is hopeful and it feels excited and it feels like forward momentum. And then you have these protest samples on top of it. And I feel like that is so fitting. I mean, I've been to a lot of marches, I think, since Trump won. I will say the Women's March, it was very hopeful because it was the first sort of like rallying cry. Since then, it's been equally exciting for me. It's been really cathartic for me to go to protest. I remember that DACA one was on my block in Echo Park in 2017 when the Dreamers were under attack. 
by the Trump administration. Um, and there are so many DACA recipients in Los Angeles, especially in, in my neighborhood. And seeing that march sort of past my house, I remember just joining by myself and walking with them by myself to City Hall and feeling this powerful sense of anonymity and community at the same time. While the world is so <laughs> unbearable right now, to put it bluntly, I mean, it, it's just like, it's just <laughs> yeah. so weighty right now. Going to protest for me personally has always been something that has given me recharge and yes, hope. I didn't actually know what to call the piece when I, when you told me to write a two minute piece, <laughs> I was like, okay, what am I going to write? But this is so great. It just has to be two minutes. And then I was thinking back to like when I was a kid and I used to write really short pieces, but they would have a lot going on in them. And I was constantly told all the time, um, why don't you just sit with one of those ideas? That's like four pieces in one piece. And I'd be like, okay, so much of my like schooling was trying to slow myself down and in a good way, because there was a lot of truth to that. I should, <laughs> I was a kid doing a lot of things in, in a little time. Um, and so it was very helpful to learn those lessons. But then I was like, okay, you know, I think, I hope I'm older now. And the thoughts that I'm having, even though they're kind of wandering in a lot, they might make sense. Let's give them a chance again. So I was thinking about my experience from the beginning of lockdown, which was the end of March for me in London to now in LA, um, and kind of all the varying emotions that I was having and feeling. But all that stayed within the same confines of the same structure because I was at home and I was in the same rooms and the same. So I just feel like there's this sense of jerks and wanders and shifts in thought, which are sort of highlighted by the changes in textures, elements, and sort of the strings when they come in and kind of will give you this like surge of productivity or hopefulness. And then they kind of like suck out again. You're like, okay, back <laughs> back to some new stasis. Um, so that was kind of like where I was loosely coming from writing this, just sort of to be like, okay, let's see if I can make a map of my brain right now, <laughs> truly. <laughs> um, and there's a lot of harmonic consonants in it that you wouldn't expect from, from a piece that's called Knock for Six, which my flatmate taught me <laughs> is kind of like the UK phrase for being sort of thrown upside down, thrown for a loop, knocked off course, which is the perfect description for this time. But it sort of starts off with this kind of like, all right, well, this is where I'm at. Okay, I'm going to shift a little. Okay, I'm going to like shift a little now. Big squirms in a small confined space. You know what I mean? So, um, and then at the end, where I am at now, at least, is that I'm pretty much totally consumed by the world in a way that, like you said before, I am active and I try to be active about helping people learn about politics and being involved. But I also try to do it in a way that's hopeful and inspiring and educational and not angry. And while, of course, I'm sometimes angry and at the end, I'm banging on the inside of a piano and and the strings are just run through a lot of distortion by the end and all this stuff and you have the process. The anger can also be hopeful. I guess the whole point of this piece is that there are so many feelings and emotions that can coexist in the same like set of notes and the same rhythm and all this stuff. Just it's like a little bit of shifting. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was very fun. And now, Knocked for Six by Shruti Kumar.
Knocked for Six was performed by Shruti Kumar, Stephanie Matthews, Marta Honer, Ro Rowan, and Aaron Steele. It was mixed by Eva Reistad and Shruti Kumar. Chamberhouse is produced by Dabney Morris. See you next time.